Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Coco Noir, and I'm your lovely host, Coco. Today's episode is entitled Black Mental Health Matters. I decided to do this episode because of everything happening on social media. Moreover, black mental health is not something regularly discussed within the black community. And I think it's a very important topic. So I went ahead and did this episode. So thank you guys for joining us. And I hope this discussion helps at least one person. Now we will get into it. Today, we're going to be discussing mental health in the Black community. According to a study conducted at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Nursing, 63% of Black slash African Americans stated that a mental health condition is a personal sign of weakness. In light of recent events, I thought this was a good time to have this much-needed discussion about Black mental health. Today, I'm joined by two lovely guests who will now introduce themselves. Okay, so, hey, um, I'm Belle. Okay. Hey, guys, I'm Ruth. Okay. So, as the study said, 63%, that is a very high number, said that there was some type of personal weakness if you have a mental health condition. So we all know in the Black community, there is that stigma, you know, attached to mental health problems. Why is that? Um, so personally, I think, you know, it stems from people not wanting to appear weak. Like there are a lot of things you can't do within the Black community. You can't like certain things. You have to fit into a particular mold. Otherwise you're viewed as strange and, you know, you kind of cast aside a little bit, you know, you notice that people don't invite you certain places and, you know, people start looking at you and treating you a certain way because they assume that you're crazy. And um, I think that's where the stigma comes from within the community. Um, I think it's because people don't really know what it is. Um. For so long, I mean, even from things like autism and everything, we never really address it like, oh, it's autism. It's usually like, ain't nothing wrong with that kid. And you'll either work or beat it out of them. So, like, we never really truly address mental health as mental health. It's always, uh, it's something else or my favorite, it's demons. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All right. That, that's right. Yeah. Especially the demon point. Like um growing up in like, you know, for me growing up uh where I am in an African country and everything bad is attributed to a demon of some sort. It's never like, oh, this person is just sick or there's, you know, some something like wrong with them. Like, you know, I mean there's something not quite right with them and everything's a demon or comes down to some sort of religion or someone has cursed you cursed your child or something like that right so in another study it was actually concluded that black people or african-american they had beliefs 
related to stigma of psychological openness and help seeking. And I think that ties into what Raid said about the not being weak, you know, like, oh, if anything's wrong with you psychologically, you're weak or you can't handle life or something like that. And then I have a lot of statistics today, guys, because I did my research. It was found that black teens are more likely to attempt suicide than white teens. It's like 9.8% versus 6.1%. I think that is a very large gap, seeing as though, you know, they're teenagers. Like, why are you trying to kill yourself? I mean, I'm not literally asking why, because I was also in that 9.8%. And it was more than one times. And it's just, you know, as a black child growing up, you're not supposed to have any problems. Like people are like, oh, you're a kid. Why do you have all these problems? But, you know, black children, I think, especially for me growing up, I saw a lot of what was happening to my family members, what was happening around me. And then it became kind of like a burden on my shoulder. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I would blame myself for a lot of the stuff that happened. I remember one thought I had was, you know, if I wasn't here, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And then, you know, I was, I went down a very bad road. So I feel like for Black teens, we need like, you know, something there to educate them, be like, you know, this is not your fault. You are loved. A lot of Black, you know, children don't get that same love. They don't get shown that same love as their white counterparts. And that, I believe, is in part to the whole, you can't show weakness. A lot of Black men think, you know, showing love to your kid is a sign of weakness. Yeah, um, I think that's true. I Like, I'm grateful, like, for the parents I had. Like, you know, they went away from that traditional thinking a little bit they still have like certain beliefs and practices that were traditional but like you know the whole showing love telling your kid you love them that was like pretty commonplace um in the family and i'm grateful for that but i have friends where you know i could know i came like noticed whenever i'd go to their house like you know even just the way they interacted with their parents was quite different. Um, For example, my one friend, like, you know, I think his dad just viewed him as an extension of the family, like a means to continue the legacy type of thing. And, you know, I don't, like you could tell, like from the conversations they had, like it was, it was like a loveless relationship. Like, you know, it didn't, it wasn't like a good, healthy father-son relationship. And yeah, I think it's like a problem across the board, regardless of what culture, what black culture you come from. I think the, the problem is common. I also think it has something to do with like, I've like the way I see it is that kids aren't allowed to be kids like certain stuff I feel shouldn't be discussed with a child and then we grow up and we know all this stuff like bells and certain things like you can have your child be aware that they can't have everything but you also shouldn't place adult issues on a child's plate 
we grow up like so worried about how our parents are going to make it without us or uh, the the lights are going out um and now you you know because you know your parents might have been like oh well you know we can't do this because we can't pay the bills or we can't pay rent or whatever and you know the oldest child well this wasn't in my case but in a lot of cases the oldest child becomes the parent instead of being able to be a child I feel like a lot of us like just didn't get the childhood that we deserved like my I don't need flashy stuff but to be able to enjoy being young while you could because adulthood is coming regardless so why rush it and now we don't have any coping skills and you know you're people are looking at you like you know what's wrong with you a lot (laughs) a lot (laughs) Right, girl, you are preaching to the choir right now. I'm an oldest, you know, I'm the oldest, and I resonate everything you said just now, everything that hit real deep. But <laughs> we're gonna move on. So, like I said, I have a lot of statistics today. Um, we found that men are a lot more stigmatized if they seek mental health help. It says it's 6.6% of men versus 10.3% of African-American or Black women, people that receive mental health services. But this was in 2017. So, I mean, that's not too long ago. And there is still that stigma of, you know, if you're a man and you're going, you know, something's wrong with you in the head, you are seen as crazy still. That is still real. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it is hard to seek help when you're a man, uh, speaking from like personal experience, like, you know, you're conditioned to be tough, like, you know, don't show your emotions, uh, don't cry at a funeral, don't cry in public, don't do this, don't do that. And I feel like it, it takes a toll on you. Like you do keep a lot inside. I feel like it reaches a point where you just don't know how to tell people, like, you know, I'm not doing well. And, you know, I think there's a point where, like, you can tell from, like, the rates of suicide. What is it, like, 80%, 75% of all suicides are, like, men? And then, yeah, I mean, when you don't know how to, like, tell someone that, it, like, really wreaks havoc internally. And, um, like, for me personally, I know there were times where I wasn't fine and I just didn't know how to say I'm not fine. Like, you know, someone can see I'm not fine, but I don't know how to say, you know, something inside wants to tell you, like, no, I'm not doing well. But it's just, like, it's just, like, ingrained within your mind that, you know, it's mandatory that you say, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, and everything. You just don't know how to tell someone that you're not doing okay. And you don't feel good telling someone that. What do you think, Belle? Um, I think I think almost everything stems from this generational definition of what a man is supposed to be. To me, it's twenty twenty. Uh you know, this whole idea of idea of a man being a, a sole provider and all of this stuff, it's it's dead to me. Because at the end of the day, that's a lot of weight to put on someone's shoulders. We're not back when rent was twenty five dollars. 
um, where things are expensive, uh, children are expensive, family members are also expensive. And like all of this stress put on one person because they're supposed to be a so-called provider to everyone, like that's that's truly to me, that's not what a man is anymore. Uh, we, I can go out and make my own money. I can, I know how to cook for myself and I know how to do for myself. So this idea of still trying to fit this box and not changing the definition to fit with the times is alarming to me. Right. So I have one more statistic. Uh, It says that 58% of younger Black or African-American people and 50% of older Black and African-American people with serious mental illness did not receive treatment. And this is from that same study in 2017. So it's like, why are Black folks not receiving treatment? So one point that I found was the religious folk that say, you don't need to see no therapist. You got to go to the Lord, take it to church. That one in the black community is a big thing. We were talking about um, that demons thing. Like if anything's wrong with you, it's because of, you know, demons or somebody cursed you or something like those religious people who are like, oh, just pray on it, you know. If something's psychologically wrong with you, you know, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Like, I'm a Christian, so, you know, I'm not knocking Christianity, but I feel like no matter how much you pray, you know, fate without work is dead. So you got to pray and seek help. But a lot of people don't want you to seek help from these therapists. Yeah, um, I personally, okay, so from my experience, Black people hate doctors. Yeah. Uh, can't I honestly have adopted that mentality since I have aged out of my pediatrician? Uh, it's, it's awful. Like, and I know we talk about having like, um, black doctors and therapists and everything, but truly in my case, it really didn't make it better. Um, like I had a doctor, my doctor's black, um, and she doesn't make me feel any more welcome. Uh, she like deadpans looks at me every time I try to like joke and make the room comfortable. So like, I don't want to go. And, you know, as much as I like push therapy to everyone else, I didn't go to therapy either. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) you know, do as I say, not as I do. But I mean, it's really the fear because you see it happen to other people. And like, I've gone through like the, the whole steps of how therapy works and you know you really have to be really willing to be broken down before you actually get better and me personally i'm not ready for that at all so it's 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 honestly just that fear because at the end of the day uh people can go say go oh go pray about it but that honestly is one of my biggest pet peeves because you know being a Christian, you're supposed to want to pray with people and pray for people. Uh, telling someone to go pray seems like you're brushing them off to me. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, we do. I think, you know, we're taught, like you said, um, we said earlier that, you know, 
we're conditioned in a way to not deal with or recognize that, um, you know, mental disorders, things like depression, all that exist. But um, telling, like, you know, I think the whole prayer thing, you know, let me pray with you or go pray, it is problematic. Sometimes I feel like we should change. Let me pray to you or to, do you want me to listen to you while you speak? I mean, sometimes that could go a long way, you know. It might not make a big dent, but still might make a difference in someone's life. Sometimes some people don't have uh, people to talk to. I know like in the black community, it's for like black men, you might not have anyone to talk to um, or anyone that you feel comfortable talking to. You know, you talk to your dad, your sisters, anyone, or even like your significant other, they start looking at like a, looking at you a certain way um, for doing that. I feel like, you know, it's something we need to, this idea is something we need to get rid of and normalize having like healthy discussions with people that are going through stuff. Yeah, I saw this one tweet obviously on Twitter, and it was saying, you know, Kanye, he is going through a lot, but because, you know, mental health issues in the Black community is not something that we acknowledge that, you know, might have explained his recent turn to religion, because, you know, that's what a lot of people tell you to do, go seek fortress in the Lord or whatever. So they're saying that's what was explaining Kanye's recent turn to Jesus. As much as I want to feel some type of way, feel sorry, feel some type of sympathy for this man. Uh, he's, to me, it's like this has been going on for so long and you've been refusing help for so long. It's really hard to sit down and be like, oh, yeah, thoughts and prayers. Because, I mean, you you lash out, you go on your little Twitter rants. Um, now he's saying, you know, he was trying to divorce Kim this entire time and whatnot. And, like, if he had reached out for help, because as much as people want to say thoughts and prayers and somebody needs to get this man help, he's not going to get help if he keeps refusing it. He's an adult. He has, what, three kids now? Four? Three? three I think it's three but it's like at some point you've got to look outside yourself to me Kanye is one of the most narcissistic people that is presented to us and yeah he needs help but it's really just hard for me to sit down and be like oh yeah you know it's so sad what's happening to him because part of it is his fault and I think people think you know having a mental illness you know exempts you from accountability and it doesn't this is, it's been going on too long for anybody to say, oh, it's kind of too late for that. Yeah, I agree somewhat, um, especially like the whole God complex. I think it prevents him from seeking help because he thinks uh, he's perfect. I'm Kanye. But I don't know. I know in some cases, you can't, when you're going through something, you can't, you don't know how to ask for help. Like for Kanye, I know he's black. He grew up uh, in the black community. He doesn't know how to ask for help. It's in that regard. It's something that's 
that's foreign to him. So I think for us to expect him to ask ask someone for help, it's we can't expect that of him. You know, I think this is why Kim he said uh Kim was trying to get the the doctor or something to get to, to lock him up, lock him away or something. And I I don't think it was that. It was just that, you know, Kim recognizes that he's going through a really bad spell and he needs some help. He, she tried to get a doctor to help him. But, you know, like you said, you know, someone refuses help, they will fight you and all that at every turn. And I think that's what's going on with with Kanye. I think it's gone past the point where, you know, something drastic has to happen, I feel, because I don't think Kanye's going to check himself into like some sort of um facility to get help for that or get help uh from a psychiatrist in that regard so i feel now it needs like outside intervention and i think that's what kim was trying to do so another thing i saw on twitter was how Kanye and Azalea Banks, they had the exact same diagnosis, but for Kanye, there's all this outpouring of love and support and compassion, but for Azalea, it is, it was definitely not the same, and you know, she's a Black woman and he's a Black man, but there is that discrepancy of the support. What do you guys think? I think what we have to understand is the difference, you know? Kanye has a lot of haters, but I think for the most part, people like him. And Azalea Banks, well, you know a lot of people. I think more people don't like Azalea Banks than they do than like her. So I think it's not about, you know, them going through stuff. Um, a lot of people don't like her. So after, like, the comments she's made in the past and the way she's treated certain people, both in the industry and um, on TV, the way she handles herself, I could understand why people didn't really care when she was going through that. I mean, it's wrong, but at the same time, you know, if you don't like someone, like, you know, someone you guys know, like, you know, if you have, like, an enemy or something, and this person, like, terrorizes you, you're not going to feel the same amount of compassion uh, towards them as like some other person, you know, some average Joe or something. So I think that's what happened with the Azalea and Kanye situation. It's not that people don't necessarily care that she's going through something, but it's that, you know, she's pissed a lot of people off. I think to me, you know, I don't necessarily overly dislike Azalea Banks. I don't overly like her either. Um, her music was great. She just, you know, this whole social media thing where she feels like she has to attack everybody. Um, really put her down the wrong path. Uh, to me, between her and Kanye, they both have the same issue. Not only diagnosis, but again, mental illness doesn't mean you can treat anybody like trash uh there is a level of accountability that you have to keep you know yeah i'm sick but that doesn't mean that i can just go around saying what i want and then go oh you know you can't take offense of it 
an offense to it because I'm sick. You know, it really doesn't work that way. Um, you you got to take accountability for your actions. And I don't feel like, you know, I was on Twitter and I was like, you know, it's not like it's not a black men versus black women thing. Uh, stuff that she says, she has more people disagreeing with her than agreeing with her. But people will always be like, oh, yeah, Kanye's the greatest. Uh, he's the GOAT and all this stuff. So he just has fans. But deep down, they're no different. So another reason I found about why Black people do not seek mental health services is because of the access to health care. A study concluded that 11.5% of Black adults had no form of health insurance, and that is compared to like 6.2% of the general population. Now, when we speak about healthcare and health insurance, there is always that social determinants of health debate that takes place. And that is, you know, how you grew up, your environment, and all of that, that has everything to do with your health. So, you know, if this large proportion of Black people do not even have access to professional health, how are they going to receive it? You know, it's like professional help is different than sitting down and just talking to your friends. You know, you do need that professional help to get better. So that is one difference. And another one is incompetent health care providers and distrust of the healthcare system. Now, I'm sure we all know about the Tuskegee health experiment. Yeah, I think that is one of the biggest mm -hmm. reasons why mm -hmm. Black people do not trust the healthcare system. I mean, that was really wrong. Um, it To this day, you know, some older Black folks, they don't go to the doctor you know, if somebody says, here's the pill that's going to fix the chemical imbalances in your brain, they're not going to want to take that pill because, you know, there was once when they were going to the doctor and they thought they were being treated, but they were not. So I do not, you know, wrong them for not wanting to go to the doctor. But, you know, we do need to get to a place where we can move away from that so people can start seeking help. And my one way to combat and kick back against it was saying, you know, we do need more Black doctors. But now Belle is saying that, you know, that didn't help her at all. But studies do show that, you know, Black doctors do offer higher level of care to Black patients. But Belle is saying that's not necessarily true. So what do you guys think? I think it's like, I think, I don't know. I feel like both race and age matter. Uh, my doctor is significantly, significantly older than I am. Uh, but you also got to like actually want your job. Like right. you couldn't have just did this because, you know, it would have paid well. You got to do this and be a people person. Like I shouldn't be in the room trying to make us comfortable because that's your job this is your hospital this is you're my doctor but like to me me getting a black therapist doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me just because i'm not in my state of mind because i'm black 
like I always thought that was strange that people said that like oh you know I can't talk to this white woman because she doesn't know where I'm coming from and I'm like well are you depressed because you're black it is your depression or whatever it is caused by you being black are the issues black because if they're not then it shouldn't matter like I understand culturally and you want to be comfortable with someone but at the end of the day, like people are seeing it more like, you know, I, I want a friend in my therapist. And no, your therapist isn't going to be your friend at first. She's going to pick apart your life. And you were, you think you're going to be more comfortable with a black person doing it. But deep down, no, it doesn't matter who it is. It's going to feel like garbage. So I don't know, like as much as I want to, you know, support our people. Uh, I have my pediatrician was great because she liked kids. Not because she was black, but because she liked kids. You have to actually like what you're doing. And a lot of people that are in here now don't actually like what they're doing. Yeah, I definitely agree. That, that is, yeah, so it's a valid point. Um, well, for me, most of my life, I was never, like, really afraid of doctors. Like, I started becoming wary of doctors when... I came to America and um, so I grew up in like a country like, you know, predominantly black doctors. So I never really had that issue. Someone I can relate to. I never really felt discomfort in going to the doctor. And when I came here, I didn't quite understand like why people were afraid of going to the doctors. And only as, you know, I spent more time here did I like, you know, learn about certain things, like, you know, in the way medicine is taught in America, like, for example, um, there's still that belief that Black people feel less pain um, than white people. And there are certain tests uh, that are done, like, for example, uh, determining whether someone is a viable kidney donor. I watched a video a few days ago and apparently the threshold for a white person and a black person are not the same. Like in terms of their creatinine levels, you have to have a certain number to, to be put higher up, prioritized on the donor list. And it's why a lot of black people are, uh, black people generally take a longer time to find a donor because of that. Whereas a white person could come in months after you and get that kidney before you. So um, it's, it's a lot of systemic racism. Um, that's definitely what I, I've gathered from watching like the videos and reading up on it. There's a lot of systemic racism within the medical field. And it's sad that there are not a lot of black doctors. Um, within the nation. And especially, I don't think there are a lot of black psychiatrists. I've really come across, I've, I haven't actually come across one black psychiatrist uh, within the US or her. I see like a lot of surgeons or general practitioners, pediatricians, all of that, but not ones have I heard of a black psychiatrist. Right, so I actually have a statistic on that. Less than 2% of therapists are Black. For surgery, it is 2%, but for therapy, it is less than that. 
And another thing you said about how Black people are perceived to have a higher pain threshold, it was actually found that Black people are offered medication or therapy at lower rates than the general population. All right. So I have one more question for you guys, and then we can go ahead and close it out. Research shows that poor mental health is directly linked to low poverty status. So, do you guys think that a higher socioeconomic status correlates to better mental health? Yes. <laughs> it kind of, I guess it kind of goes to what I was talking about earlier like being a kid and having to worry about bills. Like, that should never be in a kid's mind. And, you know, you have to worry about raising your siblings um, because your parents have to go to work or your parent go, has to go to work because then there's like the single house, single parent household. And then on top of that, you may have a situation where your mother and father don't get along. Uh, and there may be like a step parent or something in there, like the whole family situation. And if you're not taught to cope at a young age you grow up with all this craziness around you and you don't know what to do so you're either fighting to get out of that poverty circle or you're trying to keep everybody that's in there like your siblings and everybody safe so you really you you truly can't win so it's just a, a, a bunch of stress and madness just put on a child and then you have to grow up with that knowing that that was never healed so yeah well that's a tricky one to answer because i feel like um i think the this the root of the you know what causes you your mental issues and everything your stress and everything might change depending on your socioeconomic status whereas when you're not as well off you have to worry like bell said about paying the bills and um where's my next meal gonna come from worrying about the rent and all that and when you're well off um i feel like there's some issues like for example um keeping up appearances like you know there are certain, I, I think kids that are more well off are expected to do certain things, um, certain careers, and they might not necessarily align with what you want to do, but because, you know, your parents deemed it necessary, like this is the way it has to be, this is the way it has to be. You, you get, you know, when you do something you hate for a long period of time, I think naturally you, you start getting a bit depressed and, um, and all the money in the world doesn't make a difference. And also, I feel like there's, like I said, keeping up with appearances, like you can't appear a certain way. You have to look a certain way and you can't act in this manner and this manner because it's the way you're socialized growing up. And that also can take a toll on a person. But also, I feel like for children, um, like in those scenarios, I feel like you when you have your parents are constantly working and they're out there making their money and, you know, maybe 
they replace their presence with money. Like, you know, you need that parental bond. And if you don't have it, then, you know, you start to feel a certain way, you might act out and all that. I, I know of a friend uh, like that who his parents weren't really around much. Well, at least his dad. His mom was there, but um, his dad, like, you know, replaced his presence with money. Like, anything he wanted, he would get. And he would act out a lot because of it. Like, um, and it's not something I, it's something I only realized when I was, like, a lot older. Like, he's the way he is because, possibly because, you know, his dad wasn't around. And, you know, you could even tell, like, the way they interacted with the dad that, they weren't that close. Like, yeah, he was spoiled. But at the same time, I think he went through a lot, like deep down inside from not having that interaction with his dad. And, you know, there's been a lot of research into that. Like, you know, that whole father-son bond is like really important. It's, it's imperative. And he didn't have that. And he chose to act out in a certain way. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like, um, I don't want to say rich people don't have problems. They they do. But I feel when you have less, there's like a lot more stress because you also face that same issue that they do where you don't see your parents because they have to make a living. And add on top of that, um, maybe at a young age, you have to get a job too. And that's, already stress on you as a young person. So I guess, yeah, um, you're more likely when, when you're of a lower socioeconomic status. I don't, uh, this is just like, you know, assumption, you know, I might be wrong. But yeah, that's what I think. Right. Personally, I do not think that there is a direct correlation However, I do think that when you are of a higher socioeconomic status, you are at a better advantage because there are more resources at your disposal for you to get help if you do have mental health issues. So that in turn does lead to better mental health. But there are people who are of that higher socioeconomic status, like Kanye, who do not take advantage of that. So it's kind of like a two-edged sword. Okay, so that concludes our discussion here today on Black mental health. Please be advised that what we discussed here today is not all encompassing of all Black mental health issues. We only had a few minutes, so we could only touch on a few topics. I would like to thank my guests, Belle and Wraith, for coming on today and joining in in this discussion. Your input is highly valued and was much needed. Thank you. I would like to encourage you all that if you are going through something or you just feel like your headspace is not right, there are resources that you can utilize. And I'm going to name a few of them here. First, there is Black Emotional and Mental Health Beam, which is a training movement, and they envision a world where there are no barriers to Black healing. There's the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation, and they are committed to 
changing the perception of mental illness in the African-American community. There is Therapy for Black Girls, which is an online space encouraging the mental wellness of Black women and girls. Next, there is the Loveland Foundation, which provides financial assistance to Black women and girls seeking therapy. Next, there is Therapy for Black Men, which primarily serves as a therapist directory for Black men seeking therapy. And last but not least, there's Dr. Ebony's My Therapy Cards, which is a self-exploration card deck created by a Black female psychologist for other women of color. Once again, I would like to thank you guys for joining us for the second episode of Coco Noir, and I hope to see you guys in the next episode. If you like what you hear, share with your homegirls, your homeboys, your home skillets, your cousin and them, your friend down the road. Thank you guys once again for listening. Catch you in the next episode.